Psalms chapter 2. Psalms chapter 2, if you know the Psalms, uh, uh, the book of Psalms chapter 2 is, a, is a, uh, uh, the prophecy of the Lord coming. And it says, I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son. This day I have begotten thee. It's talking about when Jesus comes uh, to the world and as the only begotten son of, this, uh, of his father. And he, and he said to his son, Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for the inheritance, for thine inheritance. You realize what, he, what God was saying? God looked at his sons and said, Whatever you want, ask of me. Whatever you want, I'll give thee. Jesus said, I want the heathens. <laughs> I want the drunkards. I want the dope heads. I want the God cursers. Uh, that's who I want. Uh, and who are those? You are inheritance of God this morning. You ought to be excited about that. I, I'm telling you what, uh, you think about being an inheritance of God. If you're born again, bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, you become heirs with Jesus Christ. And I think he got the wrong end of the deal. I think he got the wrong end of the deal. I, I look at what he got. But some reason when he sees me, sees me, he sees something different. He got a bad swap. But that's the blessing. Ask what you want. I'll, I'll take the sinners, Father. He says, okay, I'll give you the sinners, but you must go die for them. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go and die. Amen. Well, on one hand, we ought to look at ourselves as being the wretched, vile sinners that we are. But on the other hand, we ought to say, turn around to the devil and say, I am loved, I am accepted, and I am the inheritance of God. <laughs> Amen. Amen. What a thought to think about. You are an inheritance of God this morning. That ought to get you just riled up. Amen. I get excited about it. I got to thinking about that when I read that. I said, man, it doesn't get any better than this. Amen. Good to go. Mark chapter 1, let us stand, verse number 9. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth to Galilee and was baptized of John in the Jordan. And straightway coming out of the water, he saw the heavens open up and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. There came a great voice, a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And immediately, immediately thee, the capitalist Spirit, driveth him into the wilderness. And he was there in forty days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered unto him. Look over to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8 this morning. Verse 
Underline that word driveth. Verse number 26 of Luke chapter 8. And they carried, they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which was against Galilee. And when they went forth to the land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had the devil's long time, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out. He fell down before him with a loud voice and said, What have I do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirits to come out of the man, for often it had called him, and he was kept bound and chained in feathers, and he breaks the band and was driven of the devil in the wilderness. Now this, this driven here is something different than the capital S spirit in Mark chapter 1. It's totally something different this morning. Let us pray. Father, we just come before you, Lord, thank you for your mercy, grace, and love, Lord. We ask you to touch our hearts, Lord. I, I beg of you, Lord, to just speak through me the words that you would have the people to hear this morning. Empty me yourself and fill me with thy spirit. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Preaching on this thought this morning, who's driving you? Who's driving you this morning? We all, everyone here is being driven by someone. We are living in a day where you hear people say a lot, to, you hear them say like, uh, that lady is sure uh, is a real driven lady. Or that man is a real motivated, driven individual. I'm curious this morning, what is it that drives you? What drives you in this world? The word, the word drive means uh, to urge forward, uh, by force, to impel, to, to, to move forward. Think of it as a, as a ship, uh, as the captain is standing at the stern, and he has the wheel of the ship in his hands, and he's driving it, and the force of this blowing is the wind that's pushing that ship forward, and wherever the rudder turns, that's the way the ship goes, and it's driven by the captain of that ship. You remember in Acts chapter 27 when Paul and Luke was in that big storm called Eurachadon. And the Bible said he could not bear up into the wind. We let her drive. In other words, they, they had no control of it. They just let the wind carry it wherever the wind wanted to carry it. Because it was what was pushing the ship, driving them. They had no power to resist the wind. If we, if we look in our day and a day and look at that as a car, you get behind the steering wheel of a car and you turn on the engine and whichever way you turn the wheels of that car, that's the way that car goes. You're driving that car this morning. And this morning, every one of us here, every one of our lives here this morning, and don't miss this. Every one of us here is not just being driven by something. Everyone in here is being driven by someone. Someone. As far as I can tell, there are only two forces at work that drives mankind. Saved or lost. It doesn't matter your status. There's only two forces that drives mankind. Either you're driven by the desires 
and in your direction by the Holy Spirit or by the Satan himself. That's the only two forces that drives mankind today. It's who's sitting behind the wheel of your car this morning that's driving you this morning. It's either the Spirit of God or this morning it's the devil. It's the devil that sits behind your wheel driving you toward the lust of your, your flesh and the lust of your eyes and the pride of life. I, I've heard all my life people saying things like this. Well, preacher, a Christian cannot be possessed by the devil. Christians can only be oppressed by the devil. Because we have a, we've heard this things like this, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. There's no way the devil and the Holy Ghost can live the same in the same body at the same time. Let me give you this. The devil can control what you think about, your mind, your thoughts. The devil can, can control what you look at, your eyes. According to the scriptures, if the devil can control what you say, your lips, or, or the devil control what you listen to with your ears, the devil control where you go with your feet or what you do with your hands, the devil can control your hearts and your desires. Listen to me, he doesn't, he'd have to have more control than that in your life to be controlling who you are. He may not be dwelling inside of you. You may not be speaking with uttering, cluttering tones uh, as the man here. And he says, my name is Legions. This is where we think that the demonic people think uh, they talk about uh, they're being possessed. Uh, possessed is not always someone that the demon is talking through, but the demon is using them to do something. It could be that you, for so long, have submitted yourself to the devil. Listen to me. Second Timothy said, who are taken captive, captive by him that, at his will. He, he's sitting at the controls and he's steering you, driving you, pushing you into different areas of your life and you really don't know. This morning, I'm simply asking every Christian here, are you being spiritually driven or satanic driven? Well, preacher, I'm sitting in church. Praise God for that. There's still people that sit in church that's satanic driven. They still are driven by the devil and they're not spiritually driven. There are people that sit in church and they're just here because somebody made them come. He has most of your time and most of your action of life. I know people saying, and nobody's driving my life. I'm driving my own life. That's what Adam and Eve said the same way. <laughs> Eve thought it, said, uh, that's what the devil told them. 
if you would just take of the fruit. You'd be like God's knowing good and evil. You're driving your own life and you think you're driving your own life, but the devil has given you the opportunity to make you think you're driving your own life. In absolute thought about it, you're not in control of your life in any shape, form, or fashion. You're either being driven by the Spirit of God or you've been driven by the devil and there's no in between. You're not in control of your life this morning. They say, I'm doing my own thing. Yeah, you're right. You're doing your own thing because the devil is directing you to do your own thing. But when you watch their lives, you see that it's driven by the devil so much. You, you see them being pushed in the wrong things and pushed in the wrong direction because they think they're in control. They think they are spiritually in control, but they always go and contradict what the Word of God says. The Bible says, for as many live by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. You're either driven by the Lord or you're either driven by the devil. This is a constant struggle in the Christian life this morning. I have to tell you it is. You see in cartoons, uh, two people in a car and they're fighting over the wheel and all of a sudden the wheel comes off and they go off into the ditch that, that's the battle that we face every day. And you say, well, I, I don't face it. I don't have to struggle. I, you're better than I am. I struggle with that every day. I fight that battle every day. There is a constant struggle for power in my life. Either the Spirit is getting or the devil is getting it. And those that end up with the devil in control of their lives end up in a mess. Can I say this? You were a vessel that was purchased by the Lord. He bought and paid for you. If you're saved, but the problem with a lot of Christians this morning, they're, letting the, they're not letting the Lord Jesus drive the vessel, but they're letting the devil drive the vessel. Amen. So I, I want to compare the difference between a spirit-driven life and a satanic-driven life. Would that be all right with y'all this morning? Be here for a little while. Sorry the newcomers came on the wrong day because we'll be here a while. Amen. But uh, <laughs> it, it's just been burning on my heart that I, I, I feel you. I, I'm I'm around a lot of people who say they're Christians, but when I watch their lives, they're off on the deep end. And I say to myself, how can you tell me you're saved, bought by the blood, and you're hanging off the cliff on very little things and call yourself a Christian when what you're doing, you're being driven, you're being pushed, you're being directed by the devil himself, and they don't even know it. Amen. So look at Luke chapter 4. Verse number 1. Luke chapter 4 verse number 1. 
And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. So I want to show you the difference between the Spirit-driven life and the Satanic-driven life. Here in Luke chapter is where we find the Spirit drove Jesus uh, to the wilderness. Mark doesn't give us an in-depth account of, as Luke does of what happens in the wilderness, where the Spirit drives Jesus so that we see when the Spirit is driven. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1, uh, he said, let's, let's say this, I want you to know this, the difference between a satanic-driven life, a man into the wilderness, and the Spirit-driven life, someone that's driven in the wilderness. One is for development, and one is for destruction. God puts His Son in the wilderness so that He can be tempted at all points like we are without sin. And it makes Him obedient. It is a humbling experience in His life. So that He knows when we're tempted what it's like. It is for the development. But you know why the devil drives people into the wilderness? It is for destruction. The Lord drives somebody's life into development, and his will is for the development into his own image. The devil drives people there for to steal and kill and destroy, according to John 10 10. Notice what he said that when he was, when he was in the driver's seat of what being directed by the Spirit is saying. The first thing we find the Spirit is driving is your own mortality or your flesh. Verse number 2 says, Being forty days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did not eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward humbled, hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, that man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. The first thing we see that he is not driven by his own mortality. His, Jesus is hungry, yes. He sure is been there 40 days, been tempted. He's all God, but he's still all man, amen. He, he's not driven by his own mortality. He got thirsty, he got hungry, he cried, he felt pain. But he's not interested in his own mortality. He wants something to eat, yes. But he's there for a reason. But because he's being driven by the Spirit, he's not being dominated by what the flesh wants. Hmm. Can I say that again? Because you're driven by the Spirit, you're not being dominated from what the flesh wants wants because we're being driven by the spirit he he was being driven by the uh he wasn't being driven by the lust of the flesh uh, what his own flesh desired he was totally yield to the spirit of god and the first thing we find that when somebody's being led by the spirit of god they're being driven by the spirit they're not constantly driven by their own lust and their own desires they're not worried about their own mortality. Some people that are driven, drives their life is whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want to do it. 
Whatever their eyes see, that's what they want. Whatever the world tells them to want, that's what they want. Whatever feels good, that's what they want. Whatever looks good, that's what they want. That is a life being driven by flesh desires this morning. But a life that is being driven by the Spirit is one that says, no, you can't have that. I'm dead and my life is hid with Christ Jesus. And I don't care how much the world says I need it. I don't care how much my flesh desires it or craves it. I don't care how much the devil tries to uh, rationalize it, saying it's all right, it's good, just a little bit ain't going to hurt. I'm not going to be driven by my flesh. I'm going to be driven by the Spirit of God. So I may have His power that's upon me. Look what you find when Jesus comes out of the wilderness, of verse number 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. When he comes out because he was not submitted to the flesh and the lust and the, his own mortality, he, becomes, he comes out with a power. You pray, say, preacher, I, I, I want the power of God in my life. I, I want the power of the Spirit of God in my life. Then there must be some resistance and rejection. Many times, you know, not one time, many times in your life, you're going to have to resist and reject your flesh. You're going to have to fight it. Because I'm telling you, if you don't fight against your flesh, your flesh will win every time. There must be some constant resisting and constant rejection of your flesh if you want the power of God in your life, if you want the Holy Spirit in your life. You must resist what the flesh is desiring this morning. And I'm not preaching perfect, because none of us is perfect. But I'm telling you, we're all still in our flesh this morning. There, now, and I, I'll, I'll be honest, there's times I yielded to my flesh. Like I said, y'all are more super Christians than I am. I'm a weak little man in my flesh. I've yielded to my flesh many a times. I don't enjoy it and I don't like it. And I, I repent of it. But we need to learn, hey... I don't have to give in to the flesh every time the flesh rises up. I don't have to give in to it. it, it we find that he's, he's not driven by the lust and the, his mortality. He's not, and then we find he's not driven by materialism. Can I say this? We're living in a day, and I'm talking about Christians, and I'm not talking about the world, I'm talking about Christians, that we're being driven more by than anything else. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm worried about Christians as all they're trying to do is get, 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 get. And, and if you're not careful, they'll try to get what you got. Well, I want that. I want that. I, I, I'm, I'm worried about they're driven by materialism. Verse number 5, And the devil taking him up to high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. 
And the devil said unto him, All this power I will give thee, and the glory of them for this is delivered to me, to whom I will give it. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thou serve him. Devil says, Look at all this stuff. Look at everything around here. I'll, I'll give it to you. It, it can be given in your hands. All the kingdoms of the world, all this stuff, all these servants. Yes, but it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. You notice what it's going to cost him? I'll give you all this if thou bow down and worship me. Jesus says it ain't worth it. There are some people willing to give up everything of God to grab a little bit of hold of what the devil has. They'd rather give up their relationship with God, relationship with church, and, and give everything up just to get what the devil shows them. I, I've, I've talked with people, lost people. They would sell their souls for more stuff today. Jesus said, what would it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? There are some Christians that are all about materialism, about getting more stuff. The more stuff I have, the happier I am. And they're willing to forsake worshiping God to get it. They'll go to a new job and forsake worship. They want more money to forsake worship. I want a little bit more. I want all y'all to understand something. Jesus looked at him and said, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thou serve. Jesus said, I didn't need it. My father, <laughs> you get this. He said, I, I don't need what you got, devil. My father owns everything. The cattle of a thousand hills, my God. My father gives me more than I need. He'll supply my need. He'll give me everything that I need. And what you're, oh man, can I tell you this? I want y'all to understand something. Doing right is right. But sometimes doing right at the wrong time ain't right. And that's exactly what the devil's trying to do. If he's trying Jesus to get Jesus to do something out of timing. He said, my father will give me what I need. But the devil says, I'll give it to you now. That's what the devil tells us. I'll give it to you now. You ain't got to wait to go to church to get this. You ain't got to go and pray about this. I'll give it to you now. He wants you out of timing. 
He's not interested in materialism. He's not interested in his immortality. He's not interested in materialism. He's not interested in his own majesty. Look at verse number 9. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle in the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands shall they bear thee up, lest any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said unto him, He said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all this temptation, he departed from him for a season. You see what the devil says? He, he says, get the glory now. Go ahead and jump off. Get the glory now. The angels will come down. Don't worry about it. They'll pick you up. Just go ahead and get the glory right now. It's a classic thing that the devil will do. Get the crown before the cross. Get the crown now. Get the glory now. Get your majesty now. And Jesus said, it's not time for the crown. Time for the cross. You know what the devil is telling you? He will tell you, just be a big shot. Make something of yourself. In whatever arena you want to be in, your job, whatever you want to do, your family, church, whatever you just be a big shot. Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt you in due time. You, you know why the devil is pressing so hard to get Jesus to do this? Because it's quoted in the scriptures, and I think Psalms 91. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, and thus thou shalt dash me. Dash thy feet against the stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion, the devil. Lion is a roar of lion seeking the devour human may. The adder, he's a snake. The young lion and the dragon, thou shalt trample under feet. You see why he's so interested in getting Jesus to do something out of time? Because he knows if Jesus does what he has to do in time, he's defeated. Don't miss this. Why is the devil fighting so hard against me in my life? Why is the devil coming after me so hard? Find the devil trying to get me to quit so bad. Because he knows he just keeps on going. He will get the victory. But I, I'm telling you, if you keep on going, the devil's going to try to keep you, get you out of time and with God. But if you just keep going down the path of God, keep going down the path of God, there is victory ahead. There's, there's a fight up ahead, but there's victory up ahead. The Lord will give you something ahead to help you gain the victory that you need in your life right now. Don't try to get out of time because the devil is trying to tell you, go ahead and do it now. So what is driving me? 
Because the Spirit is driving him, he's not materialistic. He's not his own majesty. He's not his own mortality. So what's driving a man that's controlled by the Spirit of God? Verse number four. And Jesus answered him saying, It's written that man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. You know the first thing that drives a spiritual man or a spiritual woman? It's the Word of God. That's what should be driving me. If, if you are spiritually driven and you, what the first thing that drives you, it should be the Word of God. Shouldn't you know the Word of God? Shouldn't you be in your Bible studying what God is trying to direct you? God is trying to direct you by the Word of God. He's your, he's your captain. He's the pilot of your ship. And He says, my Word will direct you. We're driven by the Word of God, not the circumstances of this world. Scriptures. I'm not leaning on my own flesh. It's the Word of God. I'm not leaning on my own understanding. But what is driving me, who is leading me, what is directing me, is the Spirit of God leading me in the path of righteousness. And, and it's what God said that He's driving force in my life. It's not my opinion. It's not the Baptist opinion. It's not my brethren's opinion. But it is the Word of God that drives my life. And it should be driving your life. Preacher, what does it drive? It drives everything about you. It drives your thoughts. It drives your walk. It drives where you go, what you listen to, what you say. It drives everything in your life about you. It even drives your finances. It drives your home life, how you raise your kids, how you treat your wife, how you treat your husband. The Word of God drives you in all areas of your life. Yep. I'm talking about this thought of driving a car. Somebody's behind the wheel. Now, I want you to understand this. The headlights of the car is like uh, the light of the world. <laughs> and the Spirit will never direct you where the light of the Word of God is not shining. Yep. What? Yeah, whichever way the light's shining, that's the way it's being directed. God will never direct your life where the Word of God is not shining and the path for you to follow. That's, that's a spirit-driven life. That's where we should desire and focus to get to. I'm so glad we have something that we can lean on in this dark world. It's a dark immorality world. It's dark spiritually. There's so much sin in this world that's just overrunning and it's starting to creep into the churches today. And we see it. People don't know what to do or what to say or which way to go. I'm glad the choice has already been made for me. I, I'm being directed and being led. I'm being driven by the scriptures this morning. Thank God that we can lean on in a dark day. The Spirit is driving them in, in the worship. Look at verse number 8. 
And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship thy Lord God, with him only shall thou serve. Now I'll tell you what got me here this morning. The drive to worship. Amen. I love coming to church. I love worshiping. It's not because I get anything out of it for me. I get something out of it for the glory of God. I love worshiping. Thou shalt serve God and serve with Him. So what drove you here this morning? What drove you to church this morning? I got here so I can worship the Lord. I find it hard to believe, listen to me, I find it hard to believe that flesh drove you to church this morning. I, I find it real hard to believe that you got up this morning and flesh says, let's go to church and just get it on. I, I find it really hard to believe that. Amen. I, I don't think the flesh got you out of bed this morning and said, hey, won't you go ahead and pray before we get to church because when we get there, God is going to meet us there. We're just going to have Why should the flesh tell you, I, I, I want to get you to the church Would you listen to somebody that's going to preach about the flesh and how horrible it is. <laughs> so why? It's not the flesh. So what drove you to come to church to worship God? It's the Spirit of God. He said, well, I just got up this morning and thought I'd come to church. No, God brought you to church. Amen. If that's the case, every morning on Sunday morning, I get up like, I'll let them suffer themselves. I ain't going up there. I don't even like half of them. Why should I go? Amen. No, the Holy Spirit drives you to worship. And I enjoy worship. I, I love worshiping. I love going where God's people, socializing with God's people, hanging out with God's people. You know the word worship, where it came from? Worth-ship. What it's saying is, you worship something that you find worth worshiping it's saying hey you come in to worship god you find it that it is worth coming to the house of god giving god the glory and shout and praising god giving him the, it's worth it to me to worship god amen so what drove you to worship this morning jesus is worth it you see some people sitting in church and going on and they're sitting there like this. Well, certainly the Spirit didn't drive you to worship today. That's why we worship. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I understand a lot of people don't get excited that much, but you know, at least you can raise your hand and give Him the glory. Amen. Amen. Every now and then you can say, hey, praise God. I, I told you this morning, hey, we are inheritance of Jesus Christ. That right there ought to just make you jump up and run around the building sometimes and get excited about it and praise Him. What drove you to worship? He did because He's worthy. Amen.
<clears throat> I'd run if I had some legs. Amen. Tell you. He, he's driven by the will of God, verse number 12. It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord God. The devil tries to get God out of his will. Like I told you a while ago, the devil is a smart adversary. And if you think you can outwit him, you are crazy. The devil here is trying to get Jesus to do something, like I said earlier, out of time. And that's exactly what the devil is going to try to do to you. He wants you to do something when you should not do it then. There's a right time for everything. There's a right place for everything. But the devil tries to get you sidetracked that you do the right thing at the wrong time. Is that possible? Is that possible? Yes. It may be right. It may look right. It may be the, the right thing to do, but it's just not the right time to do it. And that's what the devil's trying to do. But we see a spirit-led man. He says, you know what? I'll do it when God says do it. I'll wait till God says do it. The devil wants you to get out of time with God. The devil wants you to get off track. Because he knows if he gets you off track. I'm talking about, I'm talking about cars. And let me say, it's been said, give a devil an inch, he'll become your ruler. That's for sure. But can I tell you, don't ever stop to pick the devil up. He might get in the vehicle as a passenger, but it won't be too long he got pushed you out and become the driver. Yeah, that's good. He will. You say, well, I, I, I think I got it under control. I know I, I can control him. No, it don't take long for the devil to, mm, you out your driver's seat, you on a passenger's seat, sitting there wondering what happened. And the next thing you know, you're going off on the deep end because you picked the devil up. Don't give him chance. Don't just drive by him. So, devil, I ain't stopping by you. I don't want you in my life. I'm just going to keep on driving by. But too many of us stop by and give him a ride. Any man or woman that has been driven by the Spirit of God is driven by the Word of God, the worship of God. And look at Luke chapter 8 again. Go back to Luke chapter 8. Talking about the contrast between spirit-driven man and a satanic-driven man. Here's what happens when Satan is driving. Because the Bible said in Luke 8, 29, he was driven of the devil. What does that look like? We saw the spirit-driven man. It was a man that refuses materialism. It's a man that refuses mortality, his own majesty. He gravitates to the Word of God and the worship of God and the will of God. That's what a spirit-driven life looks like. But what does a satanic-driven life look like? The first thing we see about the satanic-driven life, we see how it starts. You say, how does it start? How does a satanic-driven life start? Well, I'll tell you how it doesn't start. It doesn't start where it ends up at. What do you mean by that? What do you mean? 
it doesn't start the way the same day. It didn't start that very day. This, this guy didn't get up one morning and said, hey, you know what, I'm going to just start cutting myself. This guy didn't get up one morning and say, hey, I'm just going to run through the streets naked. And let me just say this. If you run through the streets naked, you are full of the devil. Just get, you said, well, I run through the streets half naked. Well, then you're half full of the devil, that's for sure. It didn't happen just one day he got up and decided to do these things. He didn't decide to, to run in the tombs and live in the tombs and, and be tied up. It didn't happen one day. It's a progression that goes on in your life. How does it start out? Paul says, neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. Speaking to Christians, he's talking to Christians. Don't give him a spot. Because sooner or later, if you give him a spot, he's going to be the director of your life. He's going to be driving your life. The devil never shows you the end result of him driving. Never shows you the end result. It may look good right now. Young people, it may look good right now. It sounds good, but the devil will never show you the end results of him driving your life. Can I say in sin starts out as an action? Starts out with a thought. A thought. It's no big deal. Let's do it. Don't pick the devil up. We see how it's sustained in verse 29. For he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes he had caught him. I looked that phrase up, caught him. It means to seize, to lay hold of by force so that a man can no longer be his own master. See, it starts out by giving him a place to ride in your life. But now he's being sustained by the person who has no longer control over the life. He becomes the master of your life. He's just not long for the ride. He's driving your life. And you see what some lives that are driven by the devil, where they wind up and where they get to. Look how it's summarized. How does this end? How does this thing end with Satan being driven? Thank God it doesn't end with the devil still under the wheel. What happened that got Satan from happening under the wheel, the seat, the driver's seat? You're sitting here this morning saying, Preacher, I've let the devil drive long enough, and I want him out. How do I get the devil out and under the driver's seat? I, I believe this man saw something. He saw a calm. Look at verse 23. But as they sail, he fell asleep. There came down a storm, the wind, and the lake. They were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And there came him, and they woke him, saying, Master, Master, we perished 
Then he rose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the sea, water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. I've often wondered why this man came running to Jesus when he got on shore. I've thought about that. What, what made him run to Jesus? And I got to think about it. I got to think, this is just my mind, way I go with things. And y'all, y'all may have another version of it. You know, he might have had a GPS and just ran down to him. I don't know. But it's the way I look at it. He was up in the tombs, up in the mountain up there, on the tombs. And, and, and he got to looking around the, sand, the storm raging in, the clouds getting up and just getting done, all that stuff. And he got and he saw that little ship down there. <laughs> Dang, I'll make it. Look at that water raging up. Look at that wind. I'm just going to watch them drown. And he seen this commotion in that little ship. And he's looking down there and he see the commotion going on. They say, they worry down there. They're afraid. They're going to they're drown. But they, they, then all of a sudden they see one steps up to the front of the ship and stands up. The wind ceased. The sea became glass, calm. And he got to looking at that and said, that's a raging storm. That storm's raging. And this man, he, he couldn't hear what he said, but he saw the action of, of what he said afterward. He saw the, the result of what this man did. He said, if that man can calm this storm, if that man can raise his hand and stop that, certainly the storm that's raging in me, he can control. That's why he ran down there and said, hey, I've got a problem. That's the way I see it. <laughs> well, did it work? Well, they came and he was sitting around in the fire and his right mind and his clothes. It had to work. <laughs> Amen. It had to work. This man needed a help. He couldn't get it out himself. He couldn't do it himself. But he saw something that happened. Can I tell you, the devil will never give you calm in your life while he's driving? Never. But Jesus, <laughs> can I say the song saying he, he calms a storm? Sometimes he calms a storm within me. That's exactly what Jesus does. He, he said, hey, I've got a storm in here and I've seen this man do something that nobody else could do. I've got to get to him. And that's why he ran to him and fell at him. Lord, help me. There was a call. He cried out and he fell down before him. He said, loud voice, what will I have to do with thee, Jesus, the Son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment this is the This is the devil's talking to him now. I, that's, that was the devil saying that. Don't, don't, don't miss this. I believe somewhere deep down in that man's soul, there was a voice that was crying out, Help me. Help me. Help me. No one else could hear that voice, but Jesus heard that voice. <laughs> Jesus heard that voice. There was a call. I need help. You may be sitting here this morning and say, hey, I've done everything I can do. I don't know what to do anymore. Lord God, help me. He hears your call this morning. Yeah. 
only was there a call. I ain't got time to run it and run through all this right here. But there, there was a change. You read the rest of the story. You go ahead and read the rest of this book, the rest of this chapter. This man had, was changed. His life was, can I tell you this? Anytime anybody comes in contact with Jesus, they don't leave the same way. <laughs> Your life is changed. I've seen changed lives in here. I've seen people that, that just would not serve God, but God got a hold of them and changed their life. And this man was changed. Like I said, he was sitting around the fire in his right mind and his clothed. And they said, what happened to you? Well, this man got a hold of me. <laughs> Maybe this man ought to get a hold of some of y'all. This man got a hold of me. And he got such, listen to this. I want to get, I'm about finished. He got so changed in his life what God done for him. He didn't keep it to himself. Yeah, that's good. Amen. <laughs> he ran to the town. He ran to his family. Everyone that he could come, come, come in contact with he said, Hey, let me tell you about my Jesus. <laughs> Look what he's done for me. I was running through the tubes. Uh, no chains could hold me. I was cutting myself. Look where I am today. God changes you. You cannot keep it to yourself. You've got to tell us. That's why we should go outside the doors. Every time we go outside the doors, come and see what Jesus has done for me. He's changed my life. Just get in on it. Amen. Get in on it. Let us stand.